¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome to my primos podcast. My name is Freddy, and with me tonight is, of course, my primo and yours, Mr. Kevin Garcia.com. Say what's Freddy! up, Kevin. Freddy, Freddy, it's good to be here. It is good. It's a great day. Not only that, new season. Mm-hmm. We have I'm loving being back. Guest. I'm loving being back. We have our new, our first guest of the season. Our second guest. Who's his first guest? Oscar. Oscar's like a regular. <laughs> he's a regular guest. Like, he's still he's still a guest. He's still a he guest. Is, he is more so part of the show now at the point. I you think know he has the most That's fair. visits. He's a he's a primo. Uh but, but you primo. know, we need a prima. We do. We do need a prima. And a prima visiting us tonight, Kevin, is who? Amy. Uh Amy Cassandra Martinez. Uh she is part of a new film that's uh going to be funded soon with your help, uh, called La Chusa. And uh, I've worked, uh, I've talked with her husband, uh, Mickey Martinez, before for some of his other projects. I- I'm actually really excited about this because it delves into into folklore, uh, especially Mexican folklore. And uh, and it looks like it's going to be a good horror short. Uh, Amy, say hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thank you all for having me. Yeah. it's. I'm really freaking pumped about it. I'm excited. <laughs> The trailer is out, of course. If you visit lechuzafilm.com, L-E-C-H-U-Z-A film.com, there's a great trailer there to give you a sneak peek of what to expect. We definitely want the primos to go support it. If you've been a listener to this show, you know we're fans of horror, especially representation. We had a whole episode with Danny DiCalvo last season and talking about everything with Fangoria and all the horror genre we enjoy here. So and definitely we had another We had another support. episode with, with the uh, Cryptidnos. All that as well. The cryptidnos. We, I was going to talk about that as well because it's it's he had a story of a lechusa if you remember. Mm-hmm, so there's mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. It's this folklore that embeds itself every day that is overlooked. Talk about representation, right? Our stories, our people. It's not always about the boogeyman, which is another movie coming out again. Yeah, another yeah, boogeyman yeah. movie. Well, who, I mean, to be fair, that? at least it's a movie called The Boogeyman, so I guess it's on on point there. Yeah. Uh, Amy, how did this film come about? How did how did Lechuza happen? So it started as a full length feature, and we realized, yeah, like it's it's fully written. The full feature <laughs> is fully written. But we thought like, okay, in order for us to be able to do that full feature script justice, we would need a crap ton of money. So we thought, okay, well, let's do a proof of concept short in order to first get funding and then use that short to basically pitch it and so that we could do a full length feature. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I think of the last three years now and it's kind of a blur because I'm like, when did it really, really start? And I feel like there was like conversations about it even before 2020. But yeah, I mean, I'm guessing now it's been three years of trying to figure everything out. And it's great now. I mean, we have a cast, we have a crew, we obviously have the script, and we have a Kickstarter, and we've done some table reads. And it's just really, it's really freaking cool to have something um, that you've seen kind of like started from the ground up and to be introducing it to everyone else online and to be like, hey, can you like help us make this a reality? Cool. Okay. Thank you. But like, I yeah. made this. This is awesome. Like, I want you to see how awesome this is. Well, for those that don't know, give us a brief, if you will, little, little pitch 
And of course, people can go to the website again, lechusafilm.com, to look at the concept and the Kickstarter. But give us a pitch and kind of people to know what this is about and kind of coerce them, lure them oh, okay. into the darkness. Yeah. Yes. If you hear a meow, you're not hallucinating. I do have two cats, and one of them wants to be a part of the podcast. There's um, not a cat in the car, everybody. Okay? Be careful. You're okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So Lechusa is about four sisters who recently lost their mom. I play Gabby, and I'm having a hard time letting go. So I decide to bring our mom back, and then chaos ensues, and um, Lechusa makes a visit. So. You know, bringing loved ones back from the dead has never gone wrong in fiction. I, I, I've heard a lot of stories about people trying to bring dead ones back from the uh, loved ones back from the dead, and, nope. it, and it always goes well. They love pet the cemetery, pet yeah. cemetery two, yep, pet, pet cemetery, cemetery three. three, yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Full Metal Alchemist. I know, I know every anime fan in the audience is like Full Metal Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemist. I, I know they're it's all doing that. Exchange, I, 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 I know they're doing it. I know they're doing it. Um, but what I love about go. this is that. Uh, you know, I was talking with Mickey about it, and he was saying that it started kind of as this kind of generic magic concept. But then the more he went into it, the more it became part of Mexican and Mexican-American folklore. Mm -hmm. um, for those who don't know, the, the lechuza is this uh, idea of, of an owl spirit or, or an owl witch even that haunts the night. And that it, when it, it sees you or when it's after you, you are basically done. And what, what I think is great is that I study a lot of Mesoamerican culture and folklore, and owls have long been seen as, as omens and harbingers of death. And, and the idea that this, this owl is out to get you is just this, this inherent fear for a lot of people who grew up with that in the, in the, in the community. Um, and then, you know, one thing I was thinking about right now when you mentioned the boogeyman, uh, Freddie, is that they don't, by they, I mean pop culture in the U.S. There's not a lot of pop culture in the U.S. that really shows that kind of like Latino folklore uh, it, it, other than just, hey, we've heard of La Llorona. You know, we got that one down. Or, or maybe they're like, hey, ch uh, Chupacabra, that, that one counts, right? I'm like, he's Puerto Rican, not Mexican, but still. Um, and then, uh, but then a couple of years ago, we had a couple of La Llorona movies. And at least, at least one of them was like, they had a, a Mexican employee and then the white family. And the whole movie yeah. is the white family running from the La Llorona. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and I was like, we, we, we need to do better than this. <laughs> and so when I yeah. found out about this film, I was like, this sounds really good. Yeah, um, yeah well, I wanted to add that. Um, yes, you said that there was like a couple. I always say like to people, oh, I like La Llorona. That one was good. And I always have to clarify, it's not the curse of La Llorona, no. La Llorona. That one was actually done really well because it was, uh, you know, our people and they get it. You know, we all get it. We, I don't know, like it just, maybe the, the intention was kind of there for the curse of La Llorona, but you know, it wasn't executed properly. So they probably started somewhere. There was somebody down the line that's <laughs> like, I'm going to bring my culture. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to have five people rewrite it. And we're going to bring a different director. And gonna, you know. Yeah. It's never going to be what its original intent was. Mm -hmm. If there's too many hands in the pot, especially hands that don't know what they're dealing with. Right. They just want to market and sell. I'll give you an example. Right. I me, mean, my family is from El Salvador. We, I don't know La Lechuza. I don't know that story, but I know El Cadejo, El Cipitillo. Like we have our own, um, you know, folklore, the Mesoamerican folklore, like the Salvadoreño folklore that we grew up with, Central America, South America. 
And then we, I come to like Lechusa or my wife tells me El Charro Negro. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. You know, so it's awesome. I get excited when I know that our culture is so deep that there's so much there. But it's also sad because you're like, damn, like, why am I seeing another boogeyman? Or, you know, why did the, what is it? The Baba Duke do so well because it was so, and it's another, another, another culture, and it's just so unknown and so different. There's so much within our own culture that has great stories, and I'm excited for the film and things like it to come. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned um, that it's hard to to control where it goes, but Amy, that's kind of the purpose of this proof of concept, right? You guys yes. are controlling it, so that first version goes out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I, I feel like, I mean, if you would have thought, let's see, what year are we in? 2023. I think. 10, 15, <laughs> 10, 15 years ago, like, horror wasn't as, I, I don't want to say mainstream, but it wasn't as accessible for everyone. And I feel like there's really been a renaissance um, when it comes to horror films uh, lately. So it's been really great because then you get to tell all these kinds of stories not just ours, but all different ones about horror figures and folk tales and folklore, like all of that. So a bear uh, fueled by cocaine is a, is a, is a horror movie. You know, yeah, I, that's cool. It's cool. Let's just <laughs> all make stuff. And, you know, as long as we all have the right intentions behind it, I think that's all that really matters. Um, for us, it did really also start. I mean, like with my husband, he started reading a lot of books about brujeria and, I think when you're talking about something that has to do with your culture, there's a lot of respect that you have with it. You know, it's not just like, oh, yeah, like, let's do this. It's pretty like, woohoo, like, let's treat it like whatever. No, like, we, he talked about this. I heard him um, a while ago and I was like, wait, hold the phone. You didn't tell us that. Because obviously we haven't started like filming and, you know, we will when we get funded. Um, there we go. The true stuff film.com. Thank you. You can fund we, it yourself. See? I'm telling to the audience right now, you guys, Primos, you will help this happen. Thank you. Thank you. He talked about us carrying around little vials of salt um, as protection, you know? And then, then there's like certain things about like tying red ribbons around entrances. And it's just the idea of protecting yourself when you know that like, hey, like what we're talking about maybe isn't like a rom-com, right? So we need to <laughs> keep everything okay and safe for everyone. Not that it is, and we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't, but there's a level of respect. And most of our cast is Latina. Um, we're mostly Latinas. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we have a really diverse crew as well. We have a wheelchair user um, in our crew and in our cast. She plays one of my sisters, um, Andy, and Miriam Blanco plays her. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel also when you want to tell a story and you want to include people that unfortunately are sometimes not included, mostly not included, it's not that hard. It is not that hard to do it. You know, um, you just get it done. Why? Because they're your friends. You want to make stuff with your friends and you want to make sure that it's treated with love and care and that you do the best possible, you know, film that you can make. And in order to do that, you know. You know, you one thing you, you mentioned that I that I wanted to touch on is that line of respect, not fear of the mm -hmm. subject matter, right? 
because yeah. it's a horror film and it's gonna it's gonna be a thrill. Like you said, there's layers to it, and we discussed mm -hmm. on the show before because horror is so huge of an umbrella to put things under, right? Like my wife mm -hmm. will not watch certain horror films, but she loves the Black Phone. You know, like <gasps> that's a different genre that she just like loved the like the mm -hmm. the idea of a, of this real life monster, quote unquote. Not to spoil it for anybody, as opposed to a, a supernatural thing. I have a friend that refuses to watch anything supernatural or spirit related, period. But is okay with something that's more heavy handed, like a, uh, I would say, gorish, kind of more brutal, kind of, you know, physical type of genre, right? But when we talk about these stories and these, these folk, this folklore, I think it's kind of cool that your husband's more so like, hey, let's, what were the subject matter, the things we're looking into, the things we're talking about, there's a line of respect because it comes from, or a folklore or reality you know if it comes mm -hmm. from something that you people can say hey i've experienced right to an extent and we don't want to just diminish it in any way it's not something right like you want to mm -hmm. try to be as respectful as you can have fun with it but i think it's really cool that he is taking it and you know, all of you actually taking that much of a care with it well and it's also you know Gabby is doing the thing that you shouldn't be doing, right? Like we're not advocating, yeah. hey, like you know, bring your dead mom Honest, back. No se puede, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I learned I learned that the hard way. Okay, uh -oh. it, it, it happens. Ish. Okay, Ish, it man. didn't, but you know, whatever. We, 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 you know. Is it cat related? Oh. <sighs> there's a reason that cat's been around so long. Uh, oh well, my goodness! See, no. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's. It's a cautionary tale of what happens when you don't grieve, when you don't heal properly, when you just try to overlook all of the pain um, and you don't go through all those stages of grief. So it's one of those things too, where it's like, okay, we could have just told the story of like, look, this is scary and that's it. But I think the best horror films just, they make you think about life differently and they teach you something and, you know, in addition, scare the crap out of you, which I love. You know, one thing I like is you mentioned that the, the film's already going to show people with, with body differences and, and, and different abilities. But uh, Mickey had mentioned to me that there's also going to be um, a theme of adoption in the, in the movie as well. And, and, mm -hmm. I, and I, I feel like this gets overlooked too much. I, I know I, I'm, for example, I'm, in, I'm deeply embedded in comic lore all the time. And every and every once in a while we talk about you know where the parents came from and this and this and this and somebody will say oh well well that person's not really part of the family and I'm like they're adopted they're family that's how that works mm -hmm. you know yeah. my sister's adopted she's family you know that that's how that works mm -hmm. um, and and I love that like the premise is you know you have this horror film and you have this neat idea but we're like like you said why not include as much as you want to and uh, include in the film and I I, just, I love that concept yeah we. Um... So one of our sisters, uh, one of the actors that plays one of my sisters, her name is- I mean, is, you worked together uh, for so long. You're like, it's like you, you know, said, you're family, you know? We're, we're like this, we're family. Yeah, uh, Leslie Augustine, she plays Perry. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the script where you're like, whoa. And I'm not gonna spoil anything, but I am excited for people to really get to know our characters and to see and hear what is said. Um, it's also really nice for me as an actor to have sisters, <laughs> like to be able to 
live in a life where I have sisters, you know, I'm, I'm an only child. And I think there's a lot of things I love about acting, but one of them is getting to live different lives and learn different things, you know? So I'm really pumped. As an actor, when you take on roles like this is, I mean, I, I, I write, I create, right. I try to put myself depending on the, on the, uh, I guess, if I'm the, the author, if I'm, I'm in, I'm in that place, but as an actor, you, do you, are you in that belief? What is it? That old um, adage that you bring it to life. Like you put your own soul into it, regardless of what the writer's putting out there, like you're bringing your own, your own life to this character. Is that something you see uh, that you've kind of maybe Miguel wrote it a certain way, your husband wrote it a certain way and you took it a different route becoming that character? Or do you think that that's where this would go or, how do you feel about the character you're playing now and, and that role? Yeah, I, I think that there's a fine line. And I guess truly it just depends on the actor because there's different techniques, different um, acting methods. I believe for me, I don't use substitution, which is basically like, you know, oh, I have this lived experience. Let me use all of that because the character that's written on the page isn't me. I am not that character. Right. I become that character. Have you ever been, you've never been haunted by an, an old owl woman? Yeah. I mean, I thought everybody had that experience. No, I don't um, know a lot of people have, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I know I'm going to have to act with that. Huh? Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> but, uh, Challenge yeah, accepted. I, I'm, I'm excited to do that, but I feel a lot of, there's parallels. Right. So I think that you can have parallels with your character, but I personally don't bring everything um, to Gabby because I can play Gabby a certain way. And someone down the street named Susie or whatever could play Gabby a different way. That's what makes each character different and different portrayals. Right. Like you could have, well, the first person that came to mind was Elvis. Right. Like different people being Elvis, but Austin Butler's Elvis is one specific way. I need um, Nick Cage to be Elvis. That's just it. He needs to be. You know Elvis. how fun. That's. I, I mean, I, I, I can't even. I can't even imagine Nicholas Cage dressing like Elvis. I just couldn't. Why um, not? You mean leaving Las Vegas, skydiving Elvis? That was, the, that was the joke, man. That was the joke. Come on, man. Come on, man. Don't joke about uh, Nick Cage. Did right, you but, watch but, the movie? Come on. I, I have. It's a long time ago. But speaking of costumes and speaking of of inhabiting and and, and experiencing things you haven't experienced, I want to ask about the the monster itself. Uh, because that face that the one that's in the, in the Kickstarter image, it's so intense. Um, yes. how did that come about? Yeah. Okay. So first, okay. Well, I have it here. I, I know that, uh, this was a whole process and it's just the marvelous thing about the internet, you know, like if you see something and you want to know and like dig really deep and find out like where this thing came from, you can really do it. So my husband actually saw this mask online. Um, and he really like did some deep searching and found the guy who actually created it because a lot of people were just oh, wow. reposting everywhere, just like having that mask everywhere. And it's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But like, where did it really come from? So this is actually from special effects artist, Eric Zapata. And he has already created that. Like it wasn't for us. He already created it. And so we are the, per we are purchasing the mask from him. Nice. Um, which is insane to me because I feel masks can really make or break something, you know, <laughs> especially when it comes to horror films. Yeah. Um, look at Ghostface. I mean, that that's yeah. Jason. Yeah. Look at, 
I mean, Michael Myers is that's that's literally down you the know, line. Jason's a really great example because everybody thinks, oh, I know what Jason looks like. It took him several movies to get there. Um, um, yeah. but, but you know what? I love that you said that your husband went looking for for him because, like, that's one of the things that that gets me. I have a lot of friends that are artists, right? And constantly their work is shared without credit. And and sometimes I'll I'll, I'll confront somebody on the like, Hey, look, you're posting this art but you didn't say who the artist is. And like, oh, well, how am I ever going to find that? I just found it on the internet. And it, it, five seconds later, here's who it is. Now, that being said, it's harder when you're talking about somebody repeating this image over and over again. And he actually went digging and found Eric Zapata. So that's I'm awesome. like, wow, that's intense. And and uh, and yeah, I think you tell me he works on, I think, Fear of the Walking Dead, you said, and and uh, and other shows. And so now he's going to get credited in, in, in your production as well. What's, again, once the Primos help fund it. Let's choose that film. It. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I think. Oh, did y'all hear my husband sneeze? <laughs> no, but now no. we know that he did. Okay, bless Maybe. you. Salud. Um, <laughs> Salud. Um, yeah, I think it's important to give credit to the people that are creating all kinds of things. Yeah. You know, I feel like exactly. sometimes only people in front of the camera get credit and that's unfair especially when it comes to horror i feel like everyone needs to bring their a game and if one part doesn't work then it's like ah it's really all about everyone coming together which is why i'm like so freaking excited about our crew um i do want to shout out our makeup artist tatiana kazak um triple cream on instagram because this was also just like you know, connections and like trying to figure out, oh my gosh, is this going to work? Yes, it is. Oh my gosh. Wonderful. And yeah, I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be crazy when we do actually start filming because uh, we've created things in the past. My husband and I, um, I think our last big project was goodness, like seven years ago. And back then we were living in San Antonio, Texas. And you know, a lot of things have changed. So I'm really excited for us to be able to bring this. Yeah. We here at my Primo's podcast don't like Texans. Oh, oh man. I'm, I'm kidding. Know. No, we're, we're based, based out of Texas. Uh, you, you're in what, California, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Los Whereabouts Angeles. in California are you? Los Angeles. Oh, Los Angeles. I'm from Los Angeles. So me and the other Primo, Walter, which you'll meet, and I'm from LA. I'm born in LA. Born, bred, and left at 20 years old and never looked back. Uh, I have visited LA. Oh, sure. You go to Comic Con, you go to San Diego, you do all that, don't you? Mr. (laughs) KevinGarcia.com. I I enjoyed LA traffic. If you're like, what? Well, it's because I don't work there. I don't live there. That's why I didn't bother. It it becomes part of you, man. You just kind of go like, oh, I got to hop to 105. What time is it? No, I can't do that. You know, like you have to kind of time things out. (laughs) Like, uh, seriously, yeah. L.A. is crazy for traffic. But my family's out there. I love L.A. I visit here and there, and I'm in Texas now. But trust me, we're, we have a big audience for those primos in L.A. Shout out to everybody out there, by the way. Uh, I did want to touch on what you said earlier about the crew, right? Like, the crew does get overlooked a lot, especially when it comes to everything from, and I speak on just experience as well. When I was in film school, it was the biggest thing. People say, hey, you know, who do, who do you, who are you going to give? The most props to right that did the work here oh the director the actors no man like the production team like you look at the, the fact of getting the right people the right materials the right you know the mask we got to help you know you got to find the right music you got to find the right catering services i mean sh- shit everything right so the crew is definitely the backbone and the skeleton of this whole film 
and I'm glad that you acknowledge them because I'm a huge fan of, for example, we're going to talk about this here, maybe a good segue, how when we watch The Last of Us, after every episode, you get, everybody waits because you get that four or three minute little video of the crew talking about the stage design, talking about the script and how the writers really got to that point. The actors, like, the, if you're enjoying something, you want to know more about it. And if, if this film can really embody everybody's love for this creativity and for this folklore and for the fact that if this does well, there can be more, right? And I think that you talking about the the crew and your husband and how you've really taken this on, I, I'm certain the Primos here can help you out in lechuzafilm.com. They will. They, they will, will help out. And make this happen, Primos. Definitely, definitely, definitely want to support Prima Amy here and Prima Mickey wherever he can uh, visit us. But I want to go ahead and throw my hat out there in the ring. When this film gets made, completed, I want to be, you know, the premiere podcast. We can do the uh, the whole, like, hour-long, you know, spoiler cast of the movie, all right? That way we can you know, have dibs on it. You, know, you said it. It's a connecting and a connection and a connection. Uh, it's it's going to be the it's gonna be the commentary track. It's gonna, the, the, it's a short film, right? So it's, gonna, it's, it's like, what, like 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes? But we're going to have an hour-long commentary. Hour-long We'll commentary. find a way. To, everybody's going to be, like, watching the movie, like, why is there, like, 20 minutes of blank screen after the movie's over? Turn on the commentary track, and it's all there. It's explained. I'm talking to the sound guy, talking about the boom apparatus, talking about what he did to get the sound done right. Trust me, I'm all about it. Yeah, man. the I'm sound guy's gonna be like, "You happen. have to keep this. You have to keep you it. You have to, of course, exactly." <laughs> we actually do have. Um, let me get her title. Yeah, sound designer. It's Camille Craig, and we're very excited to have her. Camille, I love that you have the credits Please ready. This is show. really cool. Yes. Definitely, Camille. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, because we've only we've talked to her through Zoom, so I'm excited for all of us. I mean, because we also have a cinematographer. His name's Roy Kirk. Um, but yeah, to get all those pieces, because we're also not all in LA, but we're able to make it work because it's 2023 and you can do a lot of stuff, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm a fan so far of the the concept, and I want this to be just take off. Like I said, that way we can have more out there not only from you all but anybody else out there listening if you're creating something you want that support from the community from all the primos and primas out there so i definitely want you guys to visit lechuzafilm.com wait what's the address l-e-c-h-u-z-a film.com i do want to add a fun little story um sure my husband was hesitant to tell his dad about it about us making this because he was like, what if he's like, what are you doing? Don't do that. You shouldn't. Con you shouldn't eso no se juega. Yeah. 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 And um, he was concerned and we talked to him yesterday or the day before. And he was like, yeah, hey, so like we're we're doing a Kickstarter. And uh, if, if you want to know more about it, I'm going to send the link over. Obviously, like we've had the Kickstarter going for about two weeks now and obviously this whole thing has been a process but it's like okay cool 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 like let's just see because my husband's dad my father-in-law like has some lechusa stories um of seeing an owl looking something and then going outside and shooting it um and then it flying away and so he was really nervous and i was like okay like you know maybe we'll just show it to him after but we told him yesterday um we said yeah it's it's about 
Lala Tusek is like, oh, wow, cool, cool. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. We're good. We're good. Why were we so scared? It's okay. It's okay. So I'm just glad that like he knows about it. And yeah, I mean, we're going to be telling even more people. We still have about 20 something days left of the Kickstarter as of right now. So yeah. You know, what's going to be cool is, is that that story probably won't fit into the short film, but I wouldn't be surprised if when you guys make the full version that that's incorporated somehow, either a character tells it or it actually happens. Heck, that could be the opening credits, you know, just have that happening with no, no words at all. You know, I, you can credit really... Kevin Garcia for that. Right no, there no, 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 little... no. Credit, credit Amy's father-in-law, credit Amy's father-in-law. <laughs> Based on yeah. a true event. There you yeah. go. Yeah. It's very cold open um, kind of a thing. You can put a little special thanks, Kevin Garcia. I like I like having some credits somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. See? It carries carries some weight somewhere, Mr. Garcia. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm excited for it. I think that it's gonna be great. And plus with the parents, if you think about it, things were very taboo, right? At some point. Where they're mm-hmm. like, oh no, 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 we don't talk about that. Oh, we don't we don't do we don't even bring it up. You know, but mm-hmm. like we talked about the crypt the cryptids and the cryptiminals. Talked about that as well. How the power you give things, right? I think mm-hmm. that there's more of an acceptance to be able to talk about these these uh, beliefs, these folklore, if you will, and not have them just be this taboo thing. I think that we're okay with bringing them out in the open. Yeah, we're gonna have a little bit of a of a peek at some beliefs, you know. And I think that it's it's cool. We can do that. Why not bring it out there? I'm tired. I am tired of seeing the same. Don't I mean? I love. That's why it's so campy. I'm, I mean, it's campy to see horror now because you're like, okay, it's Ghostface again. Like, it's campy, it's fun, but what else you got? You know? So, yeah. lechusafilm.com. Definitely. Go ahead, Amy. So, well, it's just really cool. I mean, not to talk about it too much, but I freaking love Scream. I've dressed up <laughs> as Sydney Prescott multiple times. Um, but yeah, I, I really freaking love that we got some Latinas in there. With Jenna Ortega and yeah, Melissa Barrera. Like, what? That was so cool. And for them to be sharing the screen with Nev Campbell. Ah. Now, this last one, obviously, the fact that she's Nev Campbell is not going to be in it uh, is heartbreaking. Not, not because she's not in it, but for the reason she's not in it. They just didn't want to pay her her worth. So I'm a big Nev Campbell fan, but to see some Latinas and scream is so cool. And they're going to yeah. be back. I have a little aside here. Um, I was talking to, to Mickey about, you know, low budget horror. And I mentioned trauma and he said that he, he'd uh, actually reached out to them before as, as people that produce and, and, and support low budget horror. And it, it, uh, when you mentioned enjoying scream, it reminded me there's a trauma movie I saw in the early nineties that I really liked uh, called uh, there's nothing out there. And the premise of the movie is just, you know, slasher in the woods, whatever. But the whole thing is, um, you know, there's a character constantly saying, wait, in horror movies, this happens. And you need to do this because this happens. And look, I, I'm the nerd, so I'm going to be okay. But, you know, this is going to happen. And and the thing is, is I remember watching that thinking, you know, this is such a low-budget film, but this is such a genius idea. And then Scream came out a few years later, and it was the exact same idea, but with a bigger budget. And I'm like, yeah, but that low budget movie needs attention. It may not be, it may, it may not have the, the the special effects that draws in the big bucks and everything, but it had the story. It had the jokes. It was the exact same jokes that Scream did a few years later in a low budget film. And and that's why I'm like, low budget film needs love. Low budget uh, indie films, uh, indie horror especially, needs a lot of love. 
Dude, indies were indies punk. Like that's where it comes from. Like indies exactly. punk. Like, that's where exactly. everything jumps off of. You know, like mainstream takes from punk and does something cool with it. Like, all right, you know, like that's why indie films like this needs to be supported so that we can grow from here and take from here. And say, you know what else is out there? Maybe I'll see a Cadejo movie made one day. You know, I'm just saying, like, might as well throw it out there. You know, I I, I think that the fact that we're here talking about it and just so excited is really just gonna mirror. The, the community, especially those that enjoy horror, like Latinos love horror. We talked about it before. We don't, we're not squeamish. We grew up with this stuff and we're excited when we see it. And like you said earlier, to see Latinas on in Scream, you know, and to see more Latino representation in anything like that is awesome. So we got to support this movie and definitely make it, make it happen. I also, I feel like, uh, so my husband and I love Guillermo del Toro. Of course. And like, goodness, we have mm, the freaking Shape yeah. of Water poster in our living room. <laughs> um, what I love about when he talks about horror, when he just talks about stories, it's like everything's intertwined with our culture because of course it is. Because yes. everything that we do just like oozes us. And part of that, I think, is just because our connection with life and death. And it's not scary. It's just... You know, like think of Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos. Like it's not, ah, it's not terrifying. It's it's our connection to the people mm -hmm. before us, and I think that's what makes the idea of making a story about Lechusa, making a film about Lechusa, so freaking cool. Because you know that's how we spread the word. It's basically telling everyone else and telling more people about what our ancestors told us. And like, if that's not the coolest freaking thing, like. That's the reason That's to make a movie. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And not to name drop, but to name drop, I hung out with Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman. I've, I've <laughs> Kevin, how did you run into them? I'm, I'm not going to. I'm just messing you. But it, it, it was a fun story back when I was 19, whatever. Anyway, 20. I don't know. How old was I? I don't know. Whatever. Uh -oh. Moving on. Stop Kevin here, guys. Just take a breath, Kevin. Take a breath. Take a breath. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not you all about me. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. Keep, let's repeat. That's the <laughs> mantra. Let's put in the mantra. But I wanted to also talk about The Last of Us. This show has been going on. This is the seventh episode. By the time this episode that we're recording now launches, episode seven just passed. Kevin, I'm going to say I, I'm, I'm. you're not caught up. How far along are you? Uh, I've watched Don't tell me episode three, and I'll be like, I'm going to log you off. I I I missed four. I caught up with five. I'm gonna go back and watch. The thing is, okay. Um, even though I'm not caught up, everything okay. I've seen about it has made me so happy. Because, like, all right. So, oh, by the way, it, by the way, it gets worse than me not being caught up with the, with the show. I have owned part one and two of the, of the video game for the past two years, and I have not played either yet. Uh, I just I never have free time. I never have free time. Um, but but listen, here's yeah, the thing though. Like, so okay, fast. okay. Uh -huh. Let me let me regain it a little bit by saying why I love it. Okay. I I could I, I love zombie movies. I I love you know the Romero films, even even his later ones that I'll be able to like. But I watched all of them. You know, even sure. Diary. You know, and and like um, I love uh, riffs on 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 zombie films. But I like warm bodies, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, oh, warm bodies was fun. It was silly but yeah. fun. Hilarious. And, and, yeah. and then I really wanted to love Walking Dead. Um, I'm a comic book reader, obviously, and and I read 
most of like the first 70 or so issues and i just couldn't after a while after after because 100 just, i couldn't read it anymore getting, i couldn't even get that far because it kept getting darker and darker and darker and then dark for dark's sake and, and, and don't get me wrong robert kirkman's a great writer but like it wasn't a lot of anything but then the tv show came out and i was hopeful for it because i was like well you mean obviously it can't be exactly the same and it's going to be can't be r-rated like the comic book is um but it was very apparent by the end of the first season that they were not they were going to be stagnant like in the in the early season early uh comic book issues winter comes around and all the zombies are frozen and i was like well i can't wait to see how that looks and literally they go from one episode and the next episode they're like well winter was easy but it's spring now and i'm like so so we didn't get any of that and then they spend the entire series in in georgia which you know no no hate to georgia but i wanted variety you know and um and then and then my one complaint of the comic book was that it was darker and got darker was even more exaggerated in the show somehow. Yeah. I was like, what? How? How did they make it darker it without being R-rated? And then and then I watched the first uh, couple episodes before even the three came out. I watched one and two of of uh, uh, Last of Us. And I was like, wow, they're they're doing something different with this. They're they're I mean it feels the same. It's still a zombie post-apocalyptic, but like it already addresses some of the issues I've had with post-apocalyptic stories, which is you're not going to have zero government. That's not going to happen. Um, you know, you're not going to have zero uh, resources. You're not going to have no children. You know, so so they they addressed all that, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, they have some neat stuff going on. And then episode three came out, and I was like, oh my god, I love this show. <laughs> they have done everything right. Like everything. I, I I don't. I can usually predict where a show's going. You know, I can usually predict where a movie's going. And every second of episode three went against everything I thought they were going to do. And I'm so happy they did that. Oh my God. So, it was so good. Let's, let's talk a little bit before we jump into that episode specifically. That's one yeah. of like, I think one of my favorite episodes so far. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk. They're, they're going to get Emmys. They're going to get Emmys. I mean, yeah, they, they have to. Uh, so for those, like, the last of us, right? Video game concept years ago. Uh, if you've never played it, I recommend just playing it for the story. You can play it on easy. You don't have to, be as in depth if you want to just enjoy what the story is, right? Or like me, if you don't have the time to play. So much so, my wife watched me play it, like when it first came out. Like both of them, she was a fan, loved it. The show was coming out. We were very abrasive because it's never been done so well, like a, a translation from a game That's true. to the screen, right? We talked about this before with Oscar, our our primo Oscar, asking about how was a gaming expert, how adaptations, you know, from Comics to games or games to comics sometimes don't translate well, right? But games do hold a very good, they have a good a good hold on things. So The Last of Us itself, and this is gonna be spoiler, full of spoilers. So if you're if you haven't caught up at all, uh, I recommend you know coming back to us. Okay, coming back to us here at this point. But we're gonna just free range, Amy, Kevin, myself, kind of dish and talk about it. So initial response watching the first episode. When Joel, when the outbreak happens, right? Mm. Playing the game. I'll play from the, Amy, did you play the games at all? I played uh, about 60% of the first one. So um, watch, watching the first scene. Yeah. <laughs> tell me where you were at as this is playing out, leading up to where we, we meet his daughter. We meet, we have, see what's going on. I was very like, oh my God, are they going to go one for one with what happened in the game, which is where we end up, unfortunately, the death of his daughter. 
-hmm. what were you feeling towards during that whole scene where we're like, is it going to happen or isn't it going to happen? Like Kevin said, you can't really predict most of the time. I know, Kevin, you didn't play the game, and I'll get your reaction afterwards, but Amy, what was your thought process playing the game, knowing what's going to happen, and getting to that that moment? Yeah, well, I guess I should start by saying that when I was playing the game, I was streaming on Twitch. I streamed, I was a streamer for almost a year, about a year during the pandemic, um, and I didn't know anything about what was going to happen. So everyone in the chat was like, Amy, like, brace yourself. And I was like, okay. And then it happened. And I was like, what the heck? So I was weirdly, like, hopeful that they would show it, right? Because it's the idea of, like, being pretty true to the source. Um, but, yeah, I I was really freaking anxious. I'm honestly anxious most of the times, just in general, but also while watching The Last of Us. Because there's so many dark things that happen and so many things that happen the characters and you've already invested yourself in these characters. So um, I think they did a really phenomenal job. And I'm glad that they showed us the moments before, like getting us used to that world before everything just went to crap, you know? You know, it, it's funny. Uh, exactly what I was saying that I didn't like about Walking Dead uh, you mentioned how you know you get invested in the characters are going to have to have things happen to them, but there's still hope in this world. There's still hope, and not just in the main characters, in people they encounter. And I'm like, yeah, not everybody's going to be Mad Max. You know, we're going to have other varieties of people. Um, speaking for myself, you're, not only had I not played the game, I hadn't watched any trailers, so Ooh. I only I only knew the premise. I knew it was about a guy and a girl and then she was going to be some kind of like potential savior of the world, potentially, hopefully. And that the zombies were mushroom people. That's all I knew. So as I'm watching it, I'm like, Oh, cool. My friends and I are watching it together. We're watching it in Austin. They're in Austin. That's really cool. I guess the whole series is going to be in Austin. I literally had no idea of anything. Um, and then I see the daughter and I'm thinking to myself, Oh, so that's going to be the girl that we're going to follow this whole series. All right. That's good. Oh, oh you know God. what? This is, Oh my God. You know, Oh wow. You know, obviously she's getting attacked, but she's going to be the girl that we're following. So th that's not going to happen in the first episode. And then she died and I go, I need to play this game. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I have no idea. My wife at a certain point, I think like episode four or five, she's like, can you play it again? So I can just see what happens. Like, she's just like, I need to, like, I need to rewatch this. And I go, no, well, hold on. They're taking some liberties, which I know we'll talk about, especially with Sam and and, and yeah. you know, the brother duel. But for me, being the the gamer, like I had a podcast about video games, like I, I was all about it. And when I was very hopeful, I love Pedro Pascal. Like, come on, who doesn't love him, right? And <clears throat> I, love I know Game people of Thrones, love him too much. My wife <laughs> likes Game of Thrones, so they're fair enough, fair Game enough. of Thrones. And you know, here we are, and Mandalorian, you know, and he's doing his thing. And so I was happy that he was chosen. I was like, wow, Latino actor, he's Joel. You know, he's in Texas. Okay, I'm there. Like, okay, cool. And here we go. Daughters, mixed. She looks mixed. You know, and it's like, oh, awesome. This is great. And I knew it was gonna happen. I was so anxious. I'm like, oh man, are they gonna do this? They have to. They have to, right? Like, they have to. And when we get there, it hit. As soon as the soldier goes, what? But there's a kid, and you're like, oh shit, it's gonna happen. And then, boom, it does. And we're like, 
wow. Like, I got chills. Like, I mean, like, it, 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 it hit where it needed to hit. It, it made the gamer gamer guys that were going to complain about this thing all day, it shut them up. You know, it shut them up. And then if For we that, skip at ahead, we, anyway. at that point, <laughs> yeah, we're in. We're in because there's certain things in this series overall that they have to do to appease the gamer people. But they've wait, done so wait. well. Is it to appease the gamer or is it to make the story feel complete? Because I feel like both can be true. Like, I don't think, I don't, mm, I don't, okay. I never, even though I haven't watched much as you guys have, I've never once felt like there was any kind of like fan service being done. It's like, look, this happened. I mean, admittedly, there are parts in it that I've, again, I'm not having played the game. There are parts in it that felt a little video gamey where you're like, oh, sure. there's a little, there's a sign there. I need to go this way. There's a sign. I need to go that way. Oh, I got to pick up some equipment. Those are video gamey kind of stuff. But at the same time, it never felt like fan service. Because it felt like a lived-in world, so it like, is. But it's so well done. We talk about Easter eggs because you're the Easter egg king, right? When it comes yeah, to Marvel stuff, right? <laughs> now for this one, but if you're a gamer, they mention Ish. Ishmael was a character in the game that lived in in the tunnels underground, and he you would read his whole his whole story arc through found letters and I notebooks. Love games do that. I love, and games do it's that. something. It's like a story within the story. And in the scene in episode, I believe five, when we meet the brothers, when you go to that play area, that like a nursery, there's a drawing of Ish on the wall. And it, it basically is that nod to those, hey, this is Ishmael. This is the, the this is Ish, the guy you read about in the in the game yourself. It was like little stories that are fed to you. And same thing with episode three, where we meet Bill and we meet, we learn about Bill's and Frank's story. So let's talk about episode three which I think is, in my opinion, the best episode so far. Wait, um, I, I don't know if you want to go chronologically, but I wanted to touch base real quick on, on one and two for a second. We can. Yeah, we uh, can. Because um, I just as much love as, this show, man. Because so as much as I was enjoying it with one and two, it was still following a lot of the tropes of a show that that might not keep me going. You know what I mean? A show that true, might, might lose true. me. You um, know what? And I wanted to, before I forget, thank you for stopping me there. The beginning of the show... Yeah, it was a science, like a science talk show. Oh, the early seventies. Uh, one so and two good, right? both start, but one and two yeah. both start these like asides to like this science aside that doesn't feel techno babble like from Star Trek. It doesn't feel forced. You know, it's not exposition. I mean, it is exposition, but it felt intense and suspenseful on its own. And, and, and what's really funny to me is that science talk show from episode one is that. I, I know the background of, of that that fungus and how it works with the ants and other things like that. And it while it is very scary from an uh, from a uh, etymologist's point of view, it's very silly to try to like. But what if it goes after humans? And they somehow they somehow sold that. They somehow made that feel scary, especially when you have the people in the audience and the and the host kind of like pausing and losing a little bit of breath and be like. Okay, let's go to commercial. You know, and it's like they did a really good job with that. Like they, like I was actually wondering. Yeah, you, I knew at some point they were gonna have to say the ant thing, and the way they just got it out of the way, but did it in a way that felt suspenseful, and it wasn't even a suspense that has anything to do with the rest of the movie. It was just a suspense for that scene. It was good. I really loved that. And then episode two did that again by showing uh, what was it? Malaysia? Where, where, where did it take place? Jakarta? Yeah, it took. Uh, it was Malaysia. Yeah, because they had the. Uh... Yeah. Well, the uh, the scientist, she the scientist, the, 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 the my mycologist, yeah. um, and, and and that's another one where like it's kind of silly to me that in real world a government would go to a mushroom expert and say what's this, 
and the mushroom experts say we're all going to die. But they sold it. They sold it so well, you know, where she's just like, well, what do we do? And she's like, bomb the city. I, I want to go be with my families when you do it, though. And I'm like, damn. I almost cursed. <laughs> I don't curse on the show. Everybody else does. Yeah, um, and I'm like, like, damn. And I'm like, damn. I, 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 oh, wow. I felt it. It was that line delivery. Sorry, not line. Yeah, the line delivery. The, the line itself could be so silly from a different actor. And that one sold it. The, the, the one of the talk show sold it. And these weren't even the main characters. These are people that are never going to be in the show again. I mean, unless they do like found footage or but something. But, okay, but oh, let's, let's touch on that, right? Like, like we talked about earlier, like Amy mentioned, right? When she said, depending on the on the method of you bringing something to this character, are they are they um, embodying what is written on the page or the source, if you will? Because a lot of and I'll put it this as, as a gamer, these characters did not exist in the game. These were written yeah. for the show. All I expected of that for those two. Yeah, and so. You know, Amy can chime in here and tell us, I mean, when you bring something like that, that kind of delivery, I mean, that's just, you you give that bow to that actor at that point, right? I mean, hands down, right, Amy? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm in an acting class right now, and we focus on all different types of roles, meaning co-star roles, guest star roles, series regulars, recurring, like all of that. And each one should be treated differently not just based off of the number of words you have, but when you are a co-star, which means just usually a couple lines here and there, or a guest star, which is a little bit, I mean, sometimes you could, that could also just be a few lines. Um, you have to know the context of the full story. So for them, I'm just thinking like, how cool, one, they don't have to, I mean, cool, but also not cool that there is no source, right? There's no like, oh, play the game and you know, kind of get the feel of that person there. There isn't that. So you think, okay, what is this character's purpose in this episode? Okay, well, it's to basically kick everything off <laughs> and kind of scare people. And, but scaring them in a truthful way because, hey, this is what's happening. And for them to be so truthful with that, that's, that's what makes it gold. So I think everyone's just, I mean, the casting's phenomenal. Like everyone, every yeah, everyone. person. So yeah, I mean that's what makes it work. I mean, you know, we're leading up to we say in the second episode on this too. We meet, you know, first we meet Ellie. She's awesome. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. it's just awesome. And I think the fact that we get this character that we know is kind of okay. This is now the character we're gonna follow, right? Kevin said, right. "I didn't know this. Yeah. You didn't I know found this. that out. <laughs> I found it out, right? I think, oh, that's on. who it is. That's who it is. You know, we see Joel. You know, grizzled." Yeah. You know, and 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 uh, and and the woman who's with Joel, uh, I can't remember her name at the moment. Tess. Tess. So I again, not knowing the sh game, not knowing any, not even watching the trailer, I know she's not going to be a regular. So I know something's going to happen to her, and I figured, well, she didn't die in the first episode, so she's probably going to last for at least the first season, and like you know, it'll be like a Game of Thrones thing where they'll get rid of them at, at the end of something. Um, and uh, you know, obviously they do deal with that in episode two. But one thing I appreciate about it is that. You guys ever heard the expression "the idiot ball"? No. Yeah. So, so there's this. this it, the, the internet loves boiling down movies and stories into tropes, and one of the tropes that the internet has come up with is what they call the idiot ball, and it's the idea that to make this story happen, somebody has to be stupider than they would normally be, you know. And I don't feel like anybody in this show is. Like, I feel like, 
you know, when they get into a bad situation, it's A, one they could not avoid, or B, one they could not have foreseen. Um, so, like, they have to go find the the dragonflies, what they're called, the dragonflies, right? Yeah. They have fireflies. to go find the dragonfly. The what now? Fireflies. Fireflies. They have to go find the fireflies. See, that's how little I'm um, far behind I am. Um, they have to go find the fireflies, and they go to this spot, and they they realize very quickly that they're they're not going to make it out. But it's like nothing they did was dumb. You know, they they know it's going to be dangerous. They know this stuff could happen. But like, I, I never felt like somebody was being dumb just so the story could happen. And I really appreciated that. Like, I feel like they're not talking down to the audience. Whereas a lot of times they're like, oh, you want to see an exciting chase scene happen? Well, this guy's going to forget to lock the door, you know, and none of that happens, you know? Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really thought like, wow. And, and then going back to what I was saying earlier about it not being oppressively depressing is that um, Ellie, who has grown up in this world, she has a lot of trauma, but she's not going to just break down and cry every time something happens. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't feel like that is is also. I also feel like that's not unrealistic, because uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I work with teenagers every day, and I'll mention something about like a great crisis or something like that, and they're like, "Yeah, it's it's Tuesday for us," and I'm like, "You know what? They're not wrong. They're not wrong." <laughs> um, no, I mean and, it, it, it's a reality that if she grew up in this quarantine, mm -hmm. she grew up in that zone. This is everything she knows, and the character is awesome because she embodies that. You know the fan of what was before the nostalgia that she's chasing because it's it's unknown to her. Like she's like an archaeologist kind of like curiosity if you think about it. About and unlike Ready there. Player One, yeah. unlike Ready Player One, it makes sense because Ready Player One was this forced nostalgia where everything is specifically an '80s and '90s nostalgia. And I'm like, why wouldn't there be 2010s nostalgia? Why wouldn't there be 1960s nostalgia? Why is it just the decade of the author? Whereas for her, it's like. I heard about video games. They're cool. And they're like, how do you know what a hotel is? Because I read books. And then she sees a plane for the first time. And she's like, is that what I think it is? And like, this is really cool. You're seeing it through her eyes. It's this nostalgia for something she never saw, you know, which is really cool. But also it's like, it, 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 it fits the world. It adds to the world building without showing her go to school and learning this stuff. We see in her eyes when she gets excited by something, what it must've been like for her to go to school. You know, we get all of that put together. I think the writing on this is just so strong because there are changes, right? I love that they brought in the writer from the video game mm -hmm. on staff to help make this happen. And there are changes, you know, test the way she died. It's different than how she died in the game, you know? And I love the spore, <laughs> how it's not, how it's not um, airborne. You know what I mean? You mean to tell me that they added the kiss that didn't need to be there? Yes. Oh, you know what? I, I mean, what do you my, think about that? Talk about my, your 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 scene on. partner. My friends and I like went wiggling thing out of your mouth like this. My friends and I went to the credits to see, and sure enough, somebody's listed as infected kissing guy. And we went to go. <laughs> his, I I looked up his IMDb to see what else he's done. <laughs> he's been on Supergirl. He's been on Supernatural. <laughs> Is he always weird kissing guy? I don't know. I want to know now. <laughs> Sorry, Amy. What was your? I didn't know they added that. I didn't. I thought that was like, well, this must have been in the game because that's too ridiculous to have added. No, that was just <laughs> that was unnecessary. It, was it also it was, wasn't needed. It wasn't because you're. I mean, it's not like those things look super cuddly. Like yeah, you and, don't she, want to and she's them. not distracting them or something because they don't have a mind. So like, no. why would she hold still? She could fight back and it'd be the same as not fighting back. 
it, I guess it's also, it's the idea of it like fully infecting her without really or, like her Or her giving in maybe, her, her giving in like, uh, I, I'm going to take you all out with me. I want you as close as possible maybe. I, I don't know, but it's just so, it was so weird. It was weird. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, maybe if the thought process, like you said, Kevin, is like you said, or oh, maybe, hey, I need to keep you here longer because there's supposed to be a hive mind in a way, this version of it, you know, yeah, so maybe, you, yeah, so it's supposed to be some kind of like they can communicate, let's linger, let's stay behind or something here. Maybe that could be the reason. But yeah, that death was there and it, it served the purpose, like you said, to move the story forward. Now we have Joe and Ellie on their own. Joel taking on what Tess said, hey, he begrudgingly didn't want it. He didn't want to continue, you know? And we move forward, and he tries to find Bill, which is episode three, which I've been trying to get to. Amy, give us your thoughts on episode three and Bill and Frank's story and and what we got to see. Because it, it felt like it'd been a while since I played the game, and also I really struggled with the game. I'm, I'm not a great gamer, meaning, like, I get stuck a lot. I was like, okay, let's see what this what this episode's about. And then it started. And then obviously, like, I think The Last of Us, the show, is very um, friendly towards people that have never played the game, right? That don't know anything about it. You just need to sit back, relax, and, you know, cry your cry. Out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a good cry. Not not like a, a, a cheap, cheap cry of just, like, make everybody die. Yes. and And, like, you go on a journey with everyone but for the oh gosh bill and frank from the moment that we met frank frank like, the second one right um i was like wait what's happening and then we really get to see their chemistry together and then you're like oh wait this is beautiful and i i mean you both have talked about this it's the idea of like them being hopeful right and like having a life in this post-apocalyptic world and you're like okay yeah i mean they're they're making steak and they're gonna have dinner and it's gonna be like this um i just thought it was really sweet it was really beautiful um there was a lot of small moments i think small moments are what makes a show a movie great where it doesn't have to be this massive thing it's just two people talking to one another, experiencing something that feels really real. And when they start to kiss close to the newly like grown strawberries yeah. and you know, it's like, no, no, no strawberries. It's so <laughs> it is so sweet. And more than anything, just the rest, the rest of that, it just, I don't know. It makes me think of like how you would handle that scenario. And it is beautiful because they do live together for a really long time. Mm -hmm. and no, it's, it's a good life. It's a good life. life. It's a good life. Bill and Frank, especially the argument in front of the house where they're like, I'm going to go fix that store. I'm going to fix the garden. It's like, why? Why? We don't need that. I'm that guy in my relationship with my wife. I'm like, why are we going to fix that? No one's going to see it. I don't care. I'm just going to survive. My wife's more like, no, we need to make it look nice. We may have friends come over one day. And it's like, it's the apocalypse. What friends are going to come over? And yeah. like, but he let him bring his guard down. Like he, he, Bill was very much like closed off, protect myself. I'm going to be fine. 
you know, he's a prepper. He's those doomsday prepper that has his. <laughs> he's like a prepper that actually knows what he's all, doing. A prepper that knows what he's that doing. Nick Offerman. All right. Nick Offerman, which has played a lot of roles where he's this big macho dude. Uh, he's uh, Ron Swanson. You know, yep. he's he's this guy to play a role like this, to, to have a love story play out in one episode to make you care so much for this couple. Exactly. It's, it's such a task that my family saw it, my son, my wife, and myself. Don't get me wrong. It was like we had to let it play out. My son's 13 years old, and he's seen this, and he's like emotional. And he's like, there's a lot that happened there. And my wife as well, it was just, it was awesome. Like, I love the performances of both of the characters. And then when we get to the obvious point where they meet Joel, right? They meet Tess. Hey, cool. There they are. We have the relationship, the friends they wanted, right? I think that once we get to the, the latter part of the episode where we notice that it's Frank that's ill, Right, no, Bill, Bill, Bill. I believe is the one that's ill, or Frank. I keep, I keep mixing them up. Bill well, is Nick Offerman, Frank, right? Frank is the one who gets ill. Um, Frank is Frank. the one that okay. And, and, and I want to, I want to tell you guys about the experience of watching this this episode. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, I had already said that I hadn't played the game, and my friends and I got together. About like three, four of us got together to watch the first couple episodes, and for the third episode, for whatever reason. It was now like six, seven of us. We had a much bigger group that day. And the other ones had not watched any of the previous episodes. So we're just, they were like, okay, we got zombies. We get the idea. We understand how it works. You know, whatever. Um, and all of us were doing the same thing that, that basically that I said I was doing, which is, you know, I'm not trying to predict the shows, but I'm just predicting it. And all of us are like, well, first off, before we even get to the couple, we get to the, the Ellie going to stab the, the zombie and we're like oh she's gonna get attacked she's gonna get attacked and no she's been living this life her whole since she was born she knows exactly what the, the limits are so you know what she didn't get attacked um and then we get to the uh to to, to uh bill and we're like oh he's a prepper and the joke is going to be that he knows what he's doing because in real yeah. life Let's be, let's be honest, preppers are usually idiots in real life. Um, but this guy does know what he's doing, and he immediately has the time of his life. And, and all I'm thinking is, okay, when they show a character being this happy, it's going to go bad for him very quickly. you know. And then Frank shows up. And again, I've not played the game. I didn't know there was a Bill and Frank you know, subplot that you could learn about. Um, and, and Frank shows up, and my first thought was, okay, well, this guy is going to be the, the first step. He's going to betray him for sex he gets. And he's like, uh, you know, the, there's a whole talk in the thing. And I'm like, wow, all of us, literally, my friends are yelling out, don't let him in the house. You put all this work into the house. You're letting him into the house. And we're all watching. We're all waiting for, for Frank to, to snap on him or for Bill to snap for whatever reason. Like maybe he's just like, like the reason he's so happy is because he doesn't want to be around people. We're all like figuring out what's going to happen. And then the, the food comes out and we're like, Oh, he's going to stab him now. Or, Oh, he's going to take, he's going to kill him and then bring all of his friends onto this property. So they have a new place to stay. This is going to happen. Yeah. All of us are like, don't turn around, don't turn around. And we're like, Oh, well, well, this is where it's going to happen. All this. Oh, well, he's in the shower now. Okay. Don't let literally one of my friends goes, <laughs> don't let him keep showering. <laughs> he has more time to prepare or something like that. And so all of us were constantly, and then and then as soon as the the, the song happens and the kiss, we're like, okay, Dude, no, 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 we're still like, <laughs> he's manipulating him somehow. He, he's 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 
playing with the emotions of this guy that that didn't even realize he was gay till right now. That's what's happening. Yeah, we're we're certain of it. I mean, plus uh, let's be honest, Frank's attractive. You know, he's he's like like what is it? He gets his first no gay way. relationship and he gets this really Bill, hot guy. Go take a yeah. shower. Yes, you know, like and, come and as on. Soon as, as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, one of two things: one, <laughs> get him vulnerable, but no, you're not because you, you have plenty of chance up to now. And two, oh shit, he really means it. Like he really means it. Go take a shower. He means it. Um, and then they show and they they held on that scene a lot longer than they were, I thought they were without actually showing uh, Offerman's Offerman. Uh, sure. You know, um, <laughs> you know, the, but the whole Swanson. But they held on to it a lot longer, and I and I told my friends, oh well, you know, he's definitely getting an Emmy for this, and they're like, oh, just because he just because he he's playing gay, because you know the stereotype in Hollywood is that you play against type and you'll you'll get a, an Oscar or an Emmy for it, and I'm like, no. Because he's playing yeah. it so well, <laughs> I'm like he's doing so good. And then, and I laughed when you mentioned the strawberries because by that point, my friends are all invested in it. And literally, one of my friends who's a gardener yells, "Don't make out on the strawberries!" And right when she said that, he said that. <laughs> wow! <laughs> like I wouldn't, have, I, mean... I wouldn't have thought of that. But then, but then there were all these times where they were like foreshadowing. They're like, uh, "Like you have friends, don't invite friends over." And we're like, "Oh crap!" And then it's Joel. And we're like, "Oh, okay." Well, we already know he's okay, so that's probably not going to be bad. And then Joel offers help, and he doesn't take it. Oh, you know what? He didn't listen to the protagonist. Something bad's going to happen. And then he even says, they're going to come at night. And they're we're like, oh, well, now we know how it's going to end. We already know. And then they come at night, and you have they, to just, they get defeated. And then, and then he gets shot, point? and we're like, oh, he's dead. Well, now nah, he died. And then we see a wheelchair. Like, point, oh, Kevin? But it's not that. Every single time, it's something else. You gotta love go. it. At what point, Kevin, do you not un give this credit? Okay, how many episodes do you need I'll to watch to three, let this thing? Three. That's how many. At the end of episode three, I'm like, I'm done. This movie, uh, this show has defeated me, and I'm down for it. I love it. I love that it's defeated me. <laughs> yeah, you can't predict it. I mean, the fact that they were able to do that, right? A character or a, a, an actor that's known to be a very masculine character, right, and to play play a gay character. In this type of show, to have that scene as well, like you said earlier, right? They held onto that scene for for a while on purpose because they're like, "Hey, why not? It's beautiful. It's love. Love is love, right? Let it be." It was beautiful. Um, and I think the fact that we get to the the end of the episode where Frank is ill, and we see it, and he's they've both aged. You can tell it's been a long time. Like you said, Kevin, this guy didn't betray him. This guy didn't just steal this stuff and run off, right? And we talk about when he got shot. What Joel said happened. So you got your your moment, your little trope that you wanted, right? But okay. not the way I, I didn't want it. I don't want to predict shows. I just do. <laughs> oh, I predict the future. I mean, buy a lottery ticket for me, man. I, mean, that's <laughs> why. I don't predict the future. I predict fiction. Very different. Amy, what were your thoughts towards the end of the episode when Frank uh, proposes that? I mean, what did you feel? What was going on with that? Well, immediately I was like, is, is Bill going to do it too? <laughs> is Bill, because like, you know, at, at a certain point, I don't know, I, there's different kinds of viewers. For me, it's like, what would I do in that situation? And then I was like, oh yeah, no, totally. Then it's both of us. Yeah. Like at that point, and especially because he'd been there. Bill, it was just them too. That's it, really. Um, So I was really hoping. And then he wasn't like fighting him on it anymore. Which was, was great. I was expecting that. I was like, yeah, okay, the, the double death that happens in shows, but there's always that big argument. He even looks at him and goes, I should be angry. 
but objectively that's pretty romantic. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That's, I mean, it's sad, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and then the door being left open and like how everything happens afterward. But like the way that, or the door, the window being left yeah. open, and then oh, my friends were shot. my friends were like, I don't want to see the body. I don't want to see the body. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I told them, I said, look, I've not predicted anything else in the show, but they're not going to show us the body because that'd be too much. Yeah, because <laughs> they know you've fallen in love with this couple. Exactly. And to see them in that, we don't need state, that. We don't need that. You don't need that because you don't want to tarnish the image you have, right? And from the game, to be fair to you guys, if you never got that far, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I heard spoilers for the game for for that bit, and the director actually said that while the game shows some of the sad part of the post-apocalypse, he said I wanted to show the hope that could still exist in a post-apocalypse, yeah. and I'm I'm so happy the director did that, and obviously the game writer went along with it. I think this is great. Uh, we move forward, right? And I yeah. uh, want to get to the next episode here, episode four. We go to Missouri, Kansas City. You see where a quarantine zone has actually been taken back. Rebels took over the city. Joe and Ellie are running through the city. They're trying to get through it because they got ambushed. And we saw it coming. There's a trope. You see a guy coming out, running into the street. Hey, help me. Uh-oh, here we go. Here's where it begins. Here's the video game part of this, right? Because that's a that you see it coming. The gamer guys are, we're, we're, hey, we're happy. Because this is a scene, scene for scene plays out in the game. Where you literally have to fight your way through this the city to get out of it, him and Ellie. And so this episode kind of shows us this second B story, if you will, which I'm curious how much longer they're going to if we're gonna see these people again or not. I really don't know. It you ties mean, into you mean the people five. from that episode, you mean? Yeah, the people from the episode, okay. the one running the city, kind of that militia, the rebels you know, taking over the quarantine zone, getting rid of Fedra and kind of being a free city. And I do like the performances here as well because it does show like, hey, somebody's in control. It's not always, you know, sunny. Is it greener? Grass isn't greener on the other on the other side. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that. But we get it. We know your metaphor. Something we get about it. green grass, happiness. What something is it? About fish legs bad, yeah, two legs uh, good. The grass is know. always more fish in the sea. I think is how it goes. There you go. Something about yeah. two legs bad and four legs good. Um, yeah. But yeah. But moving towards that, we get. The inkling we're gonna run into, which is episode five, and we run into the brothers, which is Sam and Henry. Can I right? can I just pause for a quick second? Yeah. Um, I didn't watch four. Uh, I need to go back and watch it, but I but I love that it's Missouri, and that the next one is what uh, Colorado. Uh, yes, um, Colorado. And I love that because that's exactly what I wanted from Walking Dead. I wanted them to go cross country, um, but at the beginning, Wyoming, then Colorado. <laughs> Either way, uh, but yeah. but but at the beginning of episode five, I was like, I know those actors, I know those actors, and I got so excited, and I kept trying to tell it to my friends. I had no idea what I was talking about. I'm like, it's the it's the couple from Northern Exposure. I love these two. I love them. I loved. I watched every episode of that show as a kid. I loved it, and yeah. and I even tried to look it up, and unfortunately, like the the credits didn't tell me who they were. It didn't even say like old man in the house or anything. It didn't, I, I couldn't know to look up because I, I, I tried Googling Northern Exposure. Eventually there were stories about it. People were like, hey, Northern Exposure reunion on Last of Us. And I was like, but they were perfect. And and back to what we were saying earlier, not everybody you meet in the apocalypse is evil. And they're not. And even if they're only in it for like five minutes, the episode, that was 
like my favorite five minutes, but for nostalgia reasons, partially, but also because you have the sweet little old couple that is a sweet little old couple. That's all they are. They're not secretly cannibals or something. They're just a sweet little old couple. And I'm like, why not? Why can't you have it? Yeah, sure, there are cannibals in the apocalypse, I'm, I'm sure, but these two are fine. Yeah. You know, they got they got elk to hunt. I don't know. There is elk. There is elk. Great episode. And yeah, then we I mean, got the brother. We got the brother, Henry and Sam. So they're on the run. The rebels are chasing them down. And we meet a brother taking care of his younger brother, who happens to be deaf. But in the game, he's not, which was a, a great choice. I think it was cool that they went through that process of making the character. Um, like you talked about inclusion, right, Amy? You know, when you talk about inclusion and bringing in people with uh, different disabilities if you will and still being able to take on these roles and sam being deaf and to act to to take on that role it was awesome the fact that he can show you that fear you know he and we're just kind of jumping ahead in the episode but he he gets bit you know and nobody knows about it you know and what ends up happening is we get to a point where ellie and it was a, a very hard moment to watch where at this point in the story, you're, Ellie is told, "Hey, you're the you're possibly the cure, right? Your blood is the cure." And when he basically breaks and goes, "Hey, when you turn, are you still the same?" And like, "What are you talking about?" And she freaks out and goes, "My blood is medicine," and she cuts her hand and puts her hand over his wound. And you're like, you know, as a viewer, like, okay, you know, this is not gonna work, but you kind of hope it does. What did you think, Amy? <laughs> that was so sad. That was so sad. That's like as, as like, I don't know, like as uh, real as it can get of like really trying to help someone in a position like Ellie's. Because I don't think that happens in the game. Um, that moment of like her trying to like really heal him from that. And then. The fact that she doesn't say anything that night also maybe she's hoping that it did work. I mean, obviously not just from that moment, but even later. Because she could also be like, oh, well, maybe he's going to turn and then I'm kind of in danger even though I'm the cure, but still. And then the way that we see that the next morning is heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Like both. The fact I that feel like it's, yeah, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. Oh. But this show has beautiful heartbreak. It's not. Yeah. It's not just you. Not just you saw one of your favorite characters get hit in the head with a baseball bat. It's like it's actual like meaningful heartbreak. You know what? Um, I'm, I'm gonna do a stupid aside for a quick second. I know I always reference comic books, but the other thing I always reference is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And Douglas Adams had worked for a lot of TV shows, and he hated it when a character dies and nobody cares because he's just a guest star for that one episode. He's like, if somebody's gonna die. I want you to care about them first. And in his book, he did that with a whale falling and it was silly, but everybody who reads that scene loves that whale. And, and it's like, that's what this show does. This show is like, look, if somebody's going to die, I mean, yeah, there's people that, that don't have a, that nameless people that die in the background, but like, if we're going to show you somebody and they die, you will care about them first. And I, I love that. In the game, it's the comic book collection, right? You, it's a, it's a collectible. You collect different issues of this of the comic book that they they, they read. Well, now and I gotta the put tagline the for the hero is endure and survive, right? And he is a superhero. That's how his brother helps him survive and get through everything. And to be a kid, he he was what ten, if 
if that, maybe a little older, if I'm, you know, being forgiving there, to be stuck in the situation, be on the run with his brother. His brother knows that if he stays behind, they're both dead. They need Joel. They need Ellie at this point. They need to get through this. And they see a glimpse of hope, right? We see a glimpse of hope between Joel and Ellie. And maybe there's, hey, like Kevin says, not everybody's evil in this world. We can have a connection with somebody, right? And here we go. They let nothing they did wrong. It's just the circumstances that they're in. And this kid and his brother have to take the shot. And it's just, I don't know, like, it's a great episode. Like, and not only that, what else happened in that episode that was out of control? My son walked away going, there is too much going on in this episode emotionally. Amy, what am I referring to? What else well, happens in this episode? Well, I'm not sure if you mean, like, well, first of all, shout out to Melanie Linsky. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. She owned that role. Yeah. Like, well, what are you doing? Well, because I think of, like, the massive, like, action scene that happened. Yes. Exactly. The earth opens up and yeah. everything comes out attacking these people. Because people wonder, well, these slow-moving fungus, how are they really taking over the world? Right, it's not like in the game where it's a spore that really spreads through the air. In this scenario, they're showing you, hey, this monster, quote unquote, that they're hiding, just got out, and you see the massive attack. You see the giant Belcher monster that came mm-hmm. out and attacked, you know, and kind of at, in the middle of all that action going on. There's so much happening. There's, there's, there's. They've caught them. They're gonna get killed. They're having a, you know, literally a court right, the tribunal right there in the middle of the street. The monsters are coming, attacking everybody. Joel's in the house with the, with the sniper rifle, shooting at everybody. Like, all that's going on. And then we have that scene where the, the monsters are after the kids. And then we find later on that he got bit. So there's too much going on. There was up and down all over the place. And then we have the death. And the brothers, you know, the brother's death. And that opens up where Joel and Ellie, like Kevin said, they know they let their guard down emotionally. Because they all have walls up. But if they, they let themselves believe, maybe we can have friends in this. And can they? Honestly, the show gives me hope that they can. <laughs> like, I know I know they're going to be the only two for most of the episodes. But, like, but like I, I love that this is a post-apocalyptic show that has hope in it. Like, it doesn't mean hope they're going to sa- save the day or that... One day, all society is going to be peaceful, and there's no mushroom zombies anymore. But like, hope for something, anything, and and I love that about this show. I love that they can allow themselves to hope, even as they're putting those walls up. Uh, Joel probably puts the biggest walls up of anybody uh, in the show that we've seen so far. Uh, but he still—I mean, as opposed to like Bill, who brought his walls down. <laughs> um, but he still has somewhere deep in there. Well, that wasn't meant to be a pun, but it was. Uh, still, still more deep in there has hope. You can see it in his eyes. Like even though he f- acts like he thinks everything is hopeless, he wouldn't do this if he didn't think there was a chance. Even if it's the longest shot in the entire universe, he wouldn't do it if he didn't think there was a chance. Endure and survive, right? That that phrase is going to run through this show. I think. I think that's going to be a phrase that lingers on. You know, The Last of Us, and then, you know. We move forward, and then we end up, you know, where he finally finds his brother Tommy. They have that that commune. They make that, that everybody's happy. 
and we see in in the 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 name of the actress escapes me, but Tommy's I remember wife is amazing. True, yeah, from True Blood, she was in that show, and I, I saw her. And like, oh yeah, it's her it's from True Blood, and I I love the scene because it shows. Hey, like you said, there's hope. They're doing it. They they're able to survive. There's electricity. There's food. There's there's there's, there's safety. You know, and then we have that that Joel basically breaks down and goes, Tommy, I can't do this, man. I'm like, you need to get to take this girl with you, follow through for me, because I've done so much for you. You owe me, you know. And and the, the, the I don't I don't have I have siblings. I don't have brothers, but uh, the closest thing to I have, you know, I would think that that connection where with family, regardless, right? I mean, hey, I did this for you. I'm protecting you. That he's a father figure to Tommy. Right, he had his daughter taken from him. Now his brother, in a way, is being taken from him. That 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 feeling of abandonment can kicking in. He's like, man, am I going to be in the right state of mind to be able to to take care of this girl? And here we are, him just leaving Ellie behind, and we get a scene. That's a huge scene in the game as well, where they actually have that conversation in, in that room, Ellie and Joel, where he basically breaks down and goes, hey, I can't be with you anymore. I can't handle it. I'm too old. Tom isn't take you. And Ellie coming right back, and I love that what she says, like, everyone that I ever cared for has either dead or left me. And you're the last one that I have. And now you're doing it you're doing it too. What do you guys take from that? Well, you mentioned the wife. I think uh Rutina Wesley, I had to, I had to look up her name. Uh, I watched True Blood too. I I loved her in that. Um, I loved her character. Like, even though uh, again, I knew this is a character who's not gonna be staying with us. I also didn't feel like they were setting us up for some kind of a tragedy immediately. Um, and, and it was just like, maybe later in the lineup, who knows? But my point is, is like, it was a really good character. Um, we have all this time with, with this father daughter dynamic. And now we have a mother figure, which is really important for Ellie. And, and even though it's only a brief moment of that, it was so well done. It was so exactly what they needed at exactly the right time but also for the audience again more of that world building that shows that this isn't a one note apocalypse this isn't just a zombie wasteland or road warrior you know there's actually like there's there's nuance here there's there's talk about nuance talk about the fact that she gave her hygiene products oh and yes that was, that's been done more than once and you're like yeah oh shit okay cool like this is real life. Like you, you acknowledge this. It's not just random men running around. Yeah. There's women here, and there's there's need for that. And I think that I like that because it, it, I even had to have a conversation with my son about it. And he was like, "Oh, well, hey, do you know what this is?" And he's like, "No." Okay, cool. This is what it is. I, I actually had conversations with my female friends about it. Like, what are the logistics if we're doing this in the apocalypse? And they're like, "No, really, it makes sense." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Thank you for explaining that." Yeah, yeah. that was so cool. That was so freaking cool. I like that she gave her a haircut also. Mm -hmm. Even she was like, it's fine. <laughs> um, it just, it was nice to have those things where it's like, yeah, remember? Like, things happen to our bodies and like, you know, doesn't stop yeah. because of the apocalypse and because of like massive like mushroom creepy things. Like, yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit, um, not the same thing at all because it's a, it's a movie and it's animated, but seeing representation about, you know, periods and stuff, uh, Turning Red. Turning Red, yeah. yeah. I, I almost said Red Panda, that's the name of it. Yeah, that Turning Red, is, yes, good, good film. Red, yeah. Red Panda. Yeah, I was like, good. 
Good. And then it's not like this whole thing. It's just life. And then you move on. And then, all right. I did like seeing uh, how different Ellie is compared to, like, you know, the other kids in that little, like, community. And, like, yeah. just the way that she just cusses like a sailor. And, you know, she has a gun. And then they take it away from her. And she's like, what the heck? Give it back. It's like, yeah, well, you know, that's what happens when you are raised in the QZ as opposed to being kind of with an actual family. Environment. Yeah. Like it's so different. It's really cool. Well, it, I like the fact that, that we get to, you said, right. We get to give her a glimpse of what could be, you know, if you think about it, like what motivator do you have besides saying you're going to save the world? Okay. Well, look, here's an example of what could happen, you know, small scale, but, why not look at that as a motivator? Like, damn, yeah, I'm going to keep going forward and getting this done. Because all she knows, she could have stayed there. Joel could have convinced her. We don't know. But the story moves on, right? I mean, she finally, and we get the choice. She jumps in. Joel, she, Joel has a, I don't know, Joel has a moment of weakness. I mean, morality kicks in. I mean, what happens? Weakness, I feel, is right. Yeah, he, he doubts, self-doubt, a moment of self-doubt. Not even a moment, an ongoing. That's the whole chest pain that he's having. That's this internal stress that he's having. I got scared. So <laughs> we will skip ahead to the next episode. Joel and Ellie leave. They leave Tommy behind. He has a family. So we move forward. This is, I think, the last episode you saw, Kevin. And so, uh, oh, yeah, there's one after. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I last saw he got hit in the gut. Yeah. And so that's when we get where you mentioned the couple from Northern Exposure, the older, the older couple in that little cabin, which I loved. I loved the interaction with the cabin and the, the, the older lady and all that. It was great. Uh, but it also showed you how Joel and Ellie learned to keep distance. Like, we're not going to get involved anymore because of what happened with Sam and Henry. I feel that that's a, that's a telltale sign because they were welcoming. The older guy could have eventually backed off if his wife saved or not really seemed to be threatening to them. I mean, but I think that that also showed you how Joe and Ellie were willing. You know what? Let's move on. Let's we got what we need. Let's take off. And that scene where he holds his chest, I'm like, oh shit! Don't tell me they're gonna just take it to a whole different level because I feel like this whole time Joel's been bulletproof, right? And and now we are where he's like, is he gonna pass out? And this is it. So that scene with with you know that that really kind of made me worried. But move on. They get to Colorado. So we're in that episode in Colorado. They get there, and then we have the Fireflies aren't there. They took off. So now they're like, oh, shit, now where do we go? The empty building. And out of nowhere, they get attacked. Not only that, Joel gets wounded badly. Badly wounded. We see him fall off the horse at the end because they escape the area. And Joel, you talk about Ellie not crying? That moment Ellie whisper cried. That got me, man. Amy, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? Yeah, well, I try. <laughs> I feel like I keep saying this, but it's true. Because that's what shows do sometimes. It's like they, you, you think about what you would do in that situation. And gosh darn it, if, if I was with Joel and that happened, I would be terrified. And we see that. And Ellie's face, even though she has grown up in this world and she knows how to fight for herself. And at this point, she's already used a gun multiple times. She's stabbed. Things. Like, she can handle herself. 
but she says something along the lines of like, I don't know what to do without you. And, and also bear in mind, <laughs> Ellie is significantly shorter than Joel and he's just like collapsed and there's snow everywhere. And then she has a horse and like, logistically speaking, how the heck is she going to be able to move Joel into a safer environment? I'm just like, I, I'm stressed out watching it. And I, I also, my husband did replay the game recently also because I was like what the heck is gonna happen I didn't get that far right yeah. so my wife told I me too she goes play the game I want to see what happens already exactly it's like Ooh. um I know what's gonna happen but even then I'm like okay well how do we get there right because it, yeah. it's not the destination it's the journey it is um, a journey especially in a game and the fact that it's not the same way that he's injured in the game as it is in the, in the, in the show. So it did take a spin for me. I love, like you said, Kevin, like kind of almost guessing, Oh yeah, here it comes. Here's what's going to happen. But the show has me on my toes, even though I know a lot of what's going to happen. I like that this twist happened here and we have a jump to where Ellie's now. You know what's, what's before, before you, yeah. I want to point out real quick that you guys both had the same idea of like, Let's watch the game to see where we're at. And for so many years, I am backtrack for a second. Prior to Harry Potter, adaptations of books had no guarantee of being anything similar to the book. And after that movie came out and it was successful, studios were like, wait, book audiences want to see the movie that's based on the book be like the book? And there's still going to be changes, but they were much more similar. So every time I hear people complain now, oh, well, it's different from the book because of this scene and that scene. I'm like, you don't know how good you have it. You don't know how good you have it. You know, um, Blade Runner was nothing like the original book. And in fact, the name Blade Runner came from a different book. Um, and, and the thing is, is that like, this is the first time we've had a video game adaptation in which even with the changes, you can say that like, oh, I want to play the game to feel that the story differently, you know, I want to, I want to see what happens next or, or our gamers are like, Oh, you know, wait till you get three episodes from now. It's going to be big. Like I haven't watched the, 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 the new one with uh, Ellie and her friend, which I assume takes place before all this happened. Um, and, and it's like, I read not spoilers, but just headlines saying yeah. gamers know what audiences are going to be going through. And I'm like, <laughs> We've never had this before from a video game adaptation, and that's amazing. It's awesome because, <clears throat> and we'll we'll wrap after this conversation about this episode because we are going to talk about it. And yeah. I think that I don't want to lose this thought. My wife and we talked about it because I told her it's fully aware that there's two video games, part one and part yeah. two. And me and my wife were talking, and I go, "Would you be bummed if there was just two seasons?" And she's like, "No." I will be perfectly content if it was the two seasons and they played out just as good as this is and be happy and put to bed. We don't need any more because what does Hollywood do? What well, they milk yeah. things until they die, right? Yeah, yes. And Walking Dead. It ended and yet Walking it continues. Dead. Yeah. It's like so a zombie show. This I'm very I'll call it now. I'm very I would be very happy if I get two, three seasons out of this and be done because they may prolong things, you know. You think four? I want four because, um, I, again, not having played the games, I know there's sure. a time jump between one and two. So you could easily get uh, two seasons either out of the first game or the game and what happens in between. 
or you could get uh, obviously changing things with Joel, knowing I, I know some spoilers. Um, and then and then you could easily get two seasons out of what happens with with two. You know, uh, you don't. And again, you don't have to make it just like, well, here's half the game and here's the other half yeah. the game. But like you've built a world, you've touched on those bases. You can now expand on those. In fact, I was just telling somebody earlier today that the reason Agents of Shield is not as well loved as, say, WandaVision or, or you know, Miss Marvel is because those shows had like eight episodes and Shield had to have 21, 23 episodes per season. Yeah. And if they had a limited amount of space, they could have told better stories. Um, and, and I think that producers know that now. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, and I feel like that could work out in the favor of this show, you know. I feel like I went through three different topics. No, I, I agree, and I, I think that, that <laughs> you're okay. But I, I'm glad that we're getting these these snippets as we go through it. Every episode feeds you enough, leaves you wanting more, and we move on. Since me and Amy have, have watched the last episode that launched this past Sunday, Kevin, I apologize, but here goes. Amy, I signed up for give this. me your thoughts on on this one here, the last episode. That way we can uh, let you let you go, not keep you hostage anymore. Uh, but <laughs> what did you think of the last episode? Okay, can you imagine going into a mall if you've never been into a mall before and you've heard about them? Like, how freaking cool must that have been? Like, I love that. Like, it's so cool. And and the way that it lights up and everything, I knew what was going to happen. Obviously, we all we all know, though, here's the thing. This is the one situation where if you've seen the show, you know what's going to happen because, you know, this is a flashback. So mm-hmm. I was extremely nervous the whole time. But I love that we get to go to different parts of the mall. And it gave me a little bit of like Stranger Things vibes only because of it being in a mall. At the mall, um, yeah. And seeing like the arcade stuff, like Mortal Kombat and going into like the horror store. And yeah. um, oh my gosh, the photo booth. Like, oh, so I love that. Yeah. Kevin's not initi- fully initiated, but so we, we meet Riley. Riley is, is, is Ellie's best friend. And she's been gone for a while. Ellie's been left on her own. We get to see that Riley's been her, her best friend, protected her, fought off bullies, etc. And so Riley comes back, takes her like, hey, let's sneak away for a while. Takes her to the unabandoned mall that was sealed up. And we find out that Riley's been living there pretty much. She also says, hey, I'm a firefly. You know, like I, I'm going to I'm a firefly. I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to bring back and free the QZ and gives Ellie one night of fun because she's leaving tomorrow. Pretty much having, you know. An experience that Ellie, he, she wants to give Ellie this experience. She wants to give her a night of fun. Like you said, yeah, I've, we've grown up with malls already being a thing. All she's done is read about them, right? Or been told about them. And to see the mall, how scary and creepy it was. And then it comes to life once the power turns on. And the photo booth scene was super cute because they take these pictures and you're like, you know, automatically that that's a memento she probably kept, you know? Mm-hmm. And and the fact that we get to the point where they're enjoying each other's company and you start seeing Ellie's face and how she's nervous and fixing her hair and you start getting hints at, oh, there's something here. And then even the conversation where Riley, and they mentioned it in the after credits where they're like, 
oh, the, the Victoria's Secret store. Yo, I'm picturing you wearing that underwear. And it's like, oh, come on, stop kidding. Like, you kind of get the the flirtation happening, you know? And this is kind of like a date. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's it's really cool to see Ellie this way. Not just because this is Ellie before getting bitten, um, but it's, and also before meeting Joel and yeah, um, you just get to see her be a kid for a bit, you know? Just get to hang out at a mall with someone she likes. And then they're just there and it's the idea of like, no, we're safe here, we're safe. And they're actually not, I love the part where they put on the masks um, yeah. and then they just start dancing. And I'm like, okay, bad things are gonna happen soon, but does it start with them falling through the glass? Um, which I'm glad that it doesn't because I was just so stressed out for their safety. And I was like, Amy, calm down. Much bigger things are going to happen soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, they set it up again. The fact that it's they like played. Episode. Yeah, it is. The fact that they played The Cure. And if you, I'm a music geek. So that they played Just Like Heaven on the merry-go-round. And it's like, oh, that is awesome. You know, and like they played The Cure. They played the Peshmo in the first one, you know, my best friend. You're taking, I'm taking a ride with my best friend. The Depeche you know, that music's a big factor in this too. But the cure, just like heaven. At that moment, they're freaking in heaven. They're enjoying the mall. They're having fun. Everything happens. And then we cut to, hey, there's something in the mall with you. That's a whole horror movie on its own, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know? And Kevin, yeah. I know you haven't seen it, but... But that's when, the best. When, I mentioned tropes like they're a bad thing. They're not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, they're not at all a bad thing, just how they're used. And that's a trope that I appreciate. You have a familiar area. You've made it feel strange and unreal by making it empty and abandoned. Uh, and then you've, which makes it, which adds to a level of fear. Like you're going to have one level of fear in a spooky forest, but it's a whole other level of fear when it's an area that should be welcoming. It isn't. And then you add to that a monster that everybody by this point knows what can do. That's that's perfect. So they get. Love... No, go ahead, Amy. Well, I love that they give us. They instill the fear earlier when we hear a scream, and then we come to find out, just like Ellie, that uh, Riley just like turned on like a cool like horror animatronics, whatever the thing. And yeah. we just hear screaming and we go and we're like, okay, no, it's not this time. And it's the idea of like, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? And then when it really is, it's like, oh, okay, it is. I mean, you also get the, the, you get to learn about Ellie. She loves music. She's into her comic books. She's into all the pun books, which we get to see throughout the series. Like all that stuff. And Riley knows that. Like that gives you that, hey, they are connected here. And then they finally kiss, right? They kiss and it was a great moment for them. They were into each other. You can see it. And then the attack happens, right? We we see them fight it off. They both get they both get bit, and that panic sets in. Ellie's panic immediately, like they talked about in the show, is violence, anger. Riley's is more so acceptance and just sadness. Like, damn, you know. Wait. So, her bite happens when she's expecting to die with her girlfriend. Yeah, and she doesn't. We haven't wow. seen that moment yet, Kevin. All we've seen is that. But we know, bit. but we know she survives. I don't know if her girlfriend happens to, you know. But I say girlfriend. We know she's. Day, but. Yeah, it was, but 
we connect yeah. the dots there, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Riley is more so like, you know what? We must press on. And the writing on this was awesome. How they're like, even if it's for two minutes, we're going to move forward as hard as possible these last few minutes. And so they're expecting to die together at that point. But we cut to Ellie instead of abandoning Joel because Joel's hurt. And he says, just leave me. Leave me here. I mean, you, you go back to Tommy. And she replays that in her head. And then she turns right back around. She finds a needle and thread and goes and saves, tries to save Joel's life. And that's where the episode ends. So up to this point, the show's been doing great. This, and believe it or not, in my opinion, is not the strongest episode per se. The emotional tones were there. I do like Riley as a character. It does show Ellie in a different light. But I'm excited for the next few episodes. This is a nine episode season. So it's winding down. And a good, overall, good size per season. It's I think it's great. I think that I mean we reached the end here so far. And what are your thoughts uh, moving forward, Kevin and, and Amy? So we can kind of wrap up the night here with everything. My are thoughts are if I have a means of being able to know what my latitude, longitude and latitude are, uh, and, and that I know that my friends are gonna know where that is too, we're gonna have a method where we're gonna just take whatever that number is, add 12. And then say it over the radio because there is no way they're going to know what we added to it, you know, unless they heard this podcast. And then they'll be able to come and find my friend and sew up his belly because he's bleeding right now and we need help. Sorry. That was that was literally what I thought as I saw him bleeding. I'm like, how can we reach his brother? But like if you use a radio and you told people where you were, then you're at risk. Uh, you know, and I'm like, ah, my brain went through all that stuff. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm invested in this world. This world did a good job of bringing me in in a way that no other a uh, long form post-apocalyptic show has done. And it's weird that we have I'm more glad. than one. <laughs> Don't abandon I... it, Kevin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll catch up. I have to say that I think I've gotten spoiled because this is the first uh, video game to like TV show adaptation where I like mostly understand what's happening, you know, have a heads up. Uh, from the video game. So I'm like, okay, so everything needs to be as good as this. Thank you. So <laughs> looking at you, Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, the, um, th there is one other really great video game to movie, and that is the original Mario Brothers movie. No, stop there. That's insane. <laughs> okay, well, well I, think, I was going to Go ahead. No, no, no Mario. Don't worry. Don't worry about Mario. Don't watch Mario. Don't watch we're, Mario. We're just, we're just playing. We're playing. We're playing. We're goofing <laughs> around. But no, yeah, you're right. This is just proof that this can be done again. There are mm -hmm. great games that can be translated. Right. And the same thing goes for comic books, right? We talked about movies and all that. But this game to screen, great. I'm hoping that this allows for more to happen, which I'm sure it will now. And I'm excited to see what happens and what changes they do take, what liberties they do take uh, at the end. I'm sure we'll revisit it at the end once it's all wrapped up. And Amy, of course, you're welcome to come back on and chat with us. Um, but I did want, before we end, just to visit, of course, remember, guys, visit the website, lechuzafilm.com, L-E-C-H-U-Z-A film.com for the Kickstarter. And, it's, and as soon as the primos have paid for it, as soon as they've helped, not paid for it, sorry, made this Whoa. happen, then happen you guys now. then you guys are going to come back and tell us after you finish filming it, what it was like. Okay. We, get, we have rights. Dibs. Yes. Well, tell me okay. I, I won't be offended if you're on another show before us, as long as no, we're the well, best show that you're on. See, I'll have uh, I'll have our people talk to your people That's so fair. we can set this up. Have your cat call my cat. Okay. 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 Great. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, Amy, I want to uh, just thank you again for coming on the show tonight. Uh, definitely appreciate you. And I'm glad that we we both like and love Last Night in Soho. And Kevin just doesn't know what he's missing out on. I'll catch up. And I'll catch up. Last Night in Soho, watch it. It's awesome. And the people, just make sure you support uh, lechuzafilm.com. And Amy, is there anything else you want to uh, put out there? Any other socials, maybe that way we can uh, make sure that most follow you and the team or and your husband. Yes, please. Um, well, I did want to say thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to talk about all things horror and folk tales and folklore and The Last of Us. Um, as far as socials go, my handle on pretty much everything, including Letterboxd, I believe is um, at Amy Cassandra MTZ, which is an abbreviation for Martinez. Some people think it's mountains, which is interesting. Mm. Um, but no, it's Martinez, Amy Cassandra MTZ. Also for our um, our project, our film, Lachusa Film, that on Instagram is our Instagram page. And we have a lot of different photos and some behind the scenes stuff, like some script stuff and storyboards so Ooh. to kind of give you more of an idea of what we're looking at making so yeah i, I fully thought mtv mtz was mushroom trauma zone uh oh. and that it was yeah because it, it is all the trauma from this you know Gosh, you figured well, it out you got it kevin you got it well primos of course you can follow us at my primos podcast on all social media at kevin garcia underscore com or i'd like to say mr garcia mr kevin garcia.com and of course check out lechuzafilm.com thank you again amy for visiting kevin you're always a, a bag of mystery and fun and easter eggs all wrapped up in a bearded package you never know and, which uh, random reference i'll make next never know that guys and primos take care <laughs> of each other have a great night and we'll see you next time look out for the mushrooms <laughs>